And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Labine. Only on the BetQL Network. Manfred on the other side. Jake Noerka here. Lock of the night joining me. I already did an introduction, but I messed up technically. So Manfred again, how you doing, man? I'm good. And just to, you know, pull the curtains back a little bit for people. He called me the best handicapper out there. And I don't I know. I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to take that title. I mean, there's a lot of very sharp minds in the game, but if you want to call me one of the best MMA betting content creators out there, I'll take that crowd. Yeah. I mean, I, I put a lot of pride into my work and uh, really, really showcasing that I, I care about what I do by putting the effort and the work into it and the, the production, all that type of stuff. So I uh, appreciate it, man. Long time coming for us here, but glad to finally get out of the way, especially for a big card like this UFC 281. Yeah, dude, massive card, and he's not wrong. I did call him the best handicapper in the world, and he's <laughs> certainly in my fave five at the least. But yeah, man, UFC 281, crazy card, possibly card of the year. I am hoping I am driving up Saturday. Some things still need to come together, but we'll see, man. Super excited to talk about it. Uh, let's let's tease ourselves a little bit and talk last week first before we get into this massive card. Last week, UFC Vegas 64, Marina Rodriguez going down to Amanda Lemos. What were your thoughts on the card, man? I think uh, I think you came out a little bit negative on the night, possibly. Yeah, I was like minus half a unit, roughly. And, uh, you know, it would have been green if Random Maverick could have gotten her a uh, hand raised in terms oh. of uh, getting a finish. Uh, I felt like I got a pretty good line there. Uh, but I felt like I had a little bit too much confidence on the Marina Rodriguez side going into that fight. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, she ended up breaking the night for me, essentially. But... Um, you know, I didn't expect the fight to play out so tepid early, right? Like it was very slow paced mm-hmm. and that allowed Lemos to stay in it a lot longer than I expected it to. And uh, yeah, once they started finally letting it go, uh, that big Lemos power served its purpose early or early in that third round and she was able to get the finish. But, yeah. you know, betting wise, it was weird. We had all favorites when except the main event pretty much. So yeah. uh, tough to really extract much value out of there unless you went big on the Amanda Lemos side. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a fun card. It was a good, you know, appetizer to what we're going to be talking about later on in this podcast uh, for this weekend. So I'm, I'm fights are fights at the end of the day, Jake. Fights yeah. are fights. I mean, and there were a lot of finishes. Very entertaining yeah. night. Uh, I too was very high on Rodriguez going in. I was one of those people that said mm, maybe it was a little bit of an early stoppage, but I don't know how much that really would have mattered. Anyways, um, I got lucky. Me and my buddies on Twitter have a parlay pool where we throw money in every week and keep it going. Winner takes all whenever the parlay hits. Ten fight parlays. You need all ten to hit. This one's our parlay pool is like hundreds and hundreds of dollars, man. We've been oh, racking wow. it up for months at this point. I was nine for nine, dude. I needed Marina last week. Ooh. I was going to take it. So what I did, obviously, was I hedged heavy on Lemos. Okay. Lemos won. I still had a great night because of it. But, oh, dude, that close for going ten for ten. <laughs> that dude whenever you're able to hit those types of parlays there's no feeling like that there's no. really no feeling like that so uh i know it's coming in the future i know it's coming um but yeah goddamn i'm amanda lemos i know man and uh marina i hit her up on instagram and she told me she gave me an interview after she got the dub and now i'm just like <laughs> do you still want to do it <laughs> <laughs> I, I talked to her briefly she is in good spirits yeah. um Anyways, let's talk what everyone's waiting to hear. UFC 281, Madison Square Garden, November 12th. Main event, Israel Adesanya rematching for the third time. Alex Pereira, first time in MMA. I have that bet to talk about. We'll talk about that later. I like to start at the bottom of the card, work my way up, make the uh, the viewers the viewers wait a little bit. So 
I'll start with my first single of the night. I have three singles and then a parlay to cap it off. Uh, first single of the night, I'm going with Nikolai Negur- Nikolai Negumarianu. Negumarianu? Negumarianu. Nikolai Negumarianu. Woo! That's there a rough one, man. <laughs> At plus 105 going up against nice. easier to pronounce Carlos Olberg. Um, <laughs> Carlos is right now a minus 125. I am on the Nikolai side, man. And I think I heard you briefly talk about this during one of your shows yesterday, but four years younger here, four fight win streak, super, super durable guy who just pushes an impressive pace, pushing forward. He has great wrestling and strong hands. Olberg obviously trains with that city kickboxing gym. Amazing down there. But we've seen him be chimmy, chinny in the past with his fight with uh, Nechukwu. So I tend to think maybe Olberg's pace, his cardio is going to be an issue as this fight drags. And we know that is not going to be the case for Nikolai. So I think if Nikolai can survive like an early barrage of technical, technical kickboxing from Olberg, he could be a live dog here. Yeah, I share the same sentiment there. I took the shot at plus 100, but I, I think it's like the, his grit, it's his durability, his ability to push a pace a bit. You know, I mean, put Albrecht through the to, through the grind, essentially. Like, Albrecht's not going to be able to Fabio Charant his way to a, a decision victory here, right? Like, he was able to just touch him up from the outside. Fabio does nothing like he always does, and he ultimately comes out on the losing end there. But uh, Nikolai's going to stay in his face. He's going to push him up against the cage. He's going to make it a dirty fight, and I think he thrives in those spots. Obviously, Alberg will be dangerous early here. He has this tremendous striking advantage given his kickboxing background, but that's the price you pay when you're taking an underdog. There is obviously going to be a bit of a threat, but I think from an overall skills well, skills perspective, I still think Alberg is the better fighter. I think yeah. it's just, you know, the... the the grindier guy here, right? Uh, we've seen Nego Mariano do it time and time again. And I like, was very low on this guy when he first came into the UFC, um, mm-hmm. especially losing against Saprabek Safarov. But since yeah. making his return against Alexa Kamor, the guy's been looking good enough to back at underdog gods whenever you can get him there. Cast him last time against Pretoria, hoping we can do it again here uh, against Carlos Holberg. Am, am I wrong or did he get, I know he won the fight, but did he get clipped in the first round, his last fight? I, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, you know I mean, like Ehor is that guy that would go in there and and hurt guys early and get them out of there. But maybe I, I can't recall off the top of my head. He I must haven't, have. But, I haven't rewatched the fight yet, which yeah. I, I'm meaning to. But I think yeah. I, I recall him getting clipped, getting back, getting up, and being yeah. fine, and winning the fight. But that is a concern for me. If that is true, yeah. I have to go back and watch. As I said, because Olberg, he's going to clip you, and he's very technical with it. That's like my my that's my concern here, and that's why he is the favorite. Because as you said, he has the better skill set, so to speak. But yeah. MMA is not necessarily a game of a skill set all the time. It's MMA, fists, knees, and elbows. Anything can happen. Yeah, like like the way that I like to look at it is like uh, Carlos Alberg is probably the better athlete. Sure. Nego Mariani might be the better fighter, if if you guys know what I mean by that, right? Like mixing mm-hmm. in all the intangibles as well, not just the kickboxing background, but everything else that goes with it. Yeah, so interesting fight here. Uh, watch the line. I think it's probably going to close, end up maybe a pick em. I could be wrong. Maybe Oberg will come out further on top. But as long as, uh, I'm going to try it again, Negu Mariano. Hey, nailed As it. long as Negu Mariano <laughs> stays the underdog, uh, I'm going to cash it, man. So I like that you're in agreement. Always makes me feel good. Um, I'm going to jump forward here already to my second single. And it's the co-main event or the co-co-main event before the uh, strawweight belt. Dustin Poirier going up against Michael Chandler presumably the uh, fight of the night two absolute scrappers brawlers you know hands are going to be flying i am on the poirier side at minus 225 chandler plus 175 when i wrote this now 
Poirier is a minus 225. He opened around a minus 160, which is where I put the bet on. So I have a Poirier minus 165 bet out. That's what I like. I am hesitant to say Poirier as a single minus 225 bet him, but I genuinely think Dustin wins this fight, man. I think they're two similar fighters in the respect that they like to throw and bang, especially Dustin as of late after Habib. His whole style's kind of been bring it close and let's dirty box. And I'm going to show you I'm stronger. I have the better chin and my fists are stronger. He beat McGregor. Hooker, that's his thing, man. Uh, I think he's super technical and strong with the fists. His great wrestling all around. Dustin Poirier is just a great fighter. I'm not taking anything away from Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler is just someone that needs it to be a little bit of a chaotic, dangerous fight to uh, excel. And I think his style going up against someone like Gaethje really worked. You know, even though he lost a fight, Gaethje's the kind of dog that Chandler is. I don't think Poirier is going to fall into the same kind of traps Gaethje was doing. I like Poirier here, and I'm afraid you're going to say you like the Chandler underdog. <laughs> um, at the current line, it makes more sense to the Chandler, in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Like plus 180, I, I could see that. But largely, I am in agreement with you. I do think that Poirier is the side here. Um, when he was back at minus 170, minus 175, like I, I did my write up for that fight. Um, and then when I was recording my podcast the next day, I was surprised to see the line jump as much as it did. Um, now this isn't no shy Elon, Derek Minner type of situation since it's happening so early or anything like that, but, but still, I was kind of surprised that people are jumping on to Dustin Poirier for that line to move that much. I expected it to stay around that minus one Sunday range all of fight week, right? Like there's going to be the people that believe that Poirier is the better technical strike here, which me and you probably believe here, which is why you bet Poirier to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is that finishing power of Michael Chandler that we have to worry about early. Durability wise, Dustin Poirier, solid shit, but we don't know at what point it's going to start to go out. Um, I I do like Poirier here. Um, Minus 200, I'm not betting it. I'm going to stay on the sidelines. Uh, I was considering violence, but like usually these Michael Chandler fights are seeming to be traps now for violence, just like that Justin Gaethje fight. If that didn't finish inside the distance, you know, this fight absolutely has a chance of going the full 50 minutes as well. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll see a slicker striking performance from Poirier. Stay away from the big power, box him up, touch him up from the outside, win a decision. Uh, but man, Jake, I do not want to see either of these guys fight for a title. Like they're, no. they're in that top five range, right? They're, they are those guys that are in the top five, just based on their name value, throwing Justin Gaethje there as well. Those guys are just holding up spots for guys that are much more deserving of those top five rankings. Benio yes. Darius probably bring the prime example. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping no matter what the outcome is this weekend, that we get Mahachev versus Darius. That is the fight yeah. that needs to come to fruition. I, I'm a little bit worried about the lightweight division in general, just because we're at like a weird point where we have the young guns that are, you know, ranked 10 through number one from, you know, we have Armin, we got Gamera, Benio, and then you have like the guys who have done it already, Poirier. Gaethje, yeah. even Chandler. So it's like, what's going to happen? Is it going to be like Chandler, Gaethje, and Poirier? They're going to lose to Islam the same way they lost to Habib and Charles? Or are these young guys going to come up and refresh the division? So as you said, I hope I hope that things go the right way. Um, another thing to like piggyback off that, though, and just with this 281 card in general, any big card, I'm talking this fight specifically still, but if Chandler goes out there and wins, it's something that I'm going to be watching and not be surprised about, right? I think Dustin wins. I'm betting Dustin at the minus 165 where I caught him. But if Chandler goes out there and wins, I'm not going to be surprised. If Pereira goes out there and wins, I'm not going to be surprised. If it's cards like this where there's so many big fights, anything that happens, you can't really be surprised about. 
because that's how the UFC builds them, man. They build them for excitement on either side of the line, really. You know what I mean? No, for sure. I absolutely agree with you. It's similar to the, the poster that you have in the back there, the Gagey Chandler, uh, Nama Yus thing. I think it was Kamaru and Kobe as well in the main event, right? If, if I'm not mistaken, is that the card? Bing. Yeah, Usman yep. Covington too. Yeah, yeah. That See, that that card was straight fire. If I'm not mistaken, also, I believe Aldo and Jan was on that card as well. Uh, there's a lot of great fights on that, that card. That was uh, 267 or 269. Or... Which one is that? That's 268. That's 268, right? yeah. That was New York. Yeah, I thought... Jan, I think Jan and Aldo was Abu Dhabi, right? Yes, I think you're right. Uh, I was there and I didn't see Aldo. Was it Marlon Moraes and somebody, Moraes and Aldo? Or was that a little bit earlier? Aldo wasn't at 268 because I was was at 268 268? and I never seen Aldo fight in person. My, my, my memory is getting all jumbled up now, but either way, just like similar to that card though, there are a lot of fights where you're just like, this could go either way. Chandler could have star skated you early, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Zhang could have won that decision. Very close right there. Yep. And then Colby and Kamaru, they're always going to have close fights, close no, fights. No, no, let, uh, no less. But yeah, uh, I, I'm excited for uh, the Poirier Chandler fight. We know it doesn't really mean anything ranking-wise, or hopefully not rankings-wise, but yeah. entertainment-wise, we know they're going to bring it. And that's how I feel about this card, man. You know, I'm going to bet. Yeah. I'm going to hope that all my bets hit. But the <laughs> thing about it is, at the end of the day, this is an entertaining card, and yeah. I'm a fan before I'm a handicapper, so let's go dude and speaking of let's go let's talk this main event where i have another bet out on my boy israel adesanya right now he's a minus 190 Pereira is a plus 155 like poirier i call it adesanya as a minus 165 for me man this bet's all about the experience obviously Pereira's is 2-0 against israel adesanya but it was not an mma mma is a completely different animal and a lot of people are like you know Israel Adesanya doesn't fight like he's an MMA all the time. He fights like he's a kickboxer. That may be true, but he's still going up against MMA fighters in the sport of MMA in the highest level of MMA in the UFC. Alex Pereira, I think is something like 377 days he's been in the UFC or something like that. I mean, I don't know how many kickboxing fights he has. I know he has dozens and dozens, and he has a lot of success there, beating Izzy twice. In MMA, he's starts Strickland. He has some good finishes and victories, but... For me to sit here and say at an under minus 200, Israel Adesanya, who has beat the likes of the people who he has beat, who has been on top the way he's been on top, to be under minus 200 against Alex Pereira in MMA, I have to bet Israel Adesanya. I, you know what? I do understand why the line is where it is because the advantage that Israel always has over his opponents is the striking, right? He outstrikes everybody, whether you're a power puncher like Paulo Costa and Jared Cannonier, or you're a little bit more finesse with it like Robert Whitaker. Sure. Israel Adesanya is going to be hard, uh, a hard mountain to climb, but Alex Pereira can match him at least, you know, experience-wise in the kickboxing realm. And that is likely where this fight is going to play out most. You yes. know, the, defensively speaking, from what I've been seeing from Pereira and his grappling, I think he'll nullify anything that Izzy tries to put on him, right? I think Izzy will be good in terms of changing levels, throwing feints out there, and making it look like he's going for takedowns, just to take advantage of that, you know, aspect of mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think it's going to come down to a kickboxing fight. And in the yeah. kickboxing fight, although still 0-2 against Alex Pereira, he still showcased in those kickboxing fights like he can be competitive and likely should have been, you know, at least won that decision, the fight that went to a decision. Yeah. And then he even rocked him in the fight that he ended up getting knocked out in. And um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts and I'll give you my thoughts quickly, but like in regards to the mixed martial arts gloves compared to kickboxing gloves, who does that favor? Initially, 
I was thinking Alex Pereira, but then after watching the fights, I'm like, it seems like a lot of the combinations that Izzy was landing on Pereira was getting caught on the guard of the gloves. When you have smaller gloves, he's going to be able to cut through that guard a little bit easier and land more shots. Obviously, on the flip side for Pereira, less padding, more power, maybe it sure. helps him out in that aspect. But we saw good enough uh, striking defense, even in the kickboxing fights from Adesanya, that make me believe that his combinations that he lands will eventually be more effective than Alex Pereira. Let me get your quick thoughts on the, the, so, the glove situation. Uh, I know UFC gloves are four ounce, correct? Or are they six ounce? I believe so. So it w- I know Muay Thai is 10 ounce. Do you know what kickboxing is? Is it 10 ounce? It's somewhere between 10 and 12, I think. I, I mean, I'm not sure if it's more than that. Just training, you know. I I, yeah. I don't I don't fight. I do some light sparring here and there. Yeah, but likewise, wearing ten ounce gloves and then going to wearing six ounce gloves, huge difference. Yeah, I mean, just on my bag downstairs, just in my yeah. stupid gym with my idiot friends, like big big difference. The ten ounce gloves, you can really easily yeah. cover MMA man. That's not the case. And Izzy's not really the fighter who's gonna really get you against the cage and throw the no hooks from the side. You know, he's much more technical, going to keep it from a distance, but I, I, so I don't, I don't actually know how much the gloves will come into play in this fight, especially because Pereira has seen fights in the octagon with the smaller gloves and he's gotten finishes with them. My yeah. thing with that is, and this goes back to the experience. I just think Pereira was rushed for the rematch here. You know, I don't necessarily think Pereira, is a top three fighter in the middleweight division. I could be completely wrong. This is all speculation, but we haven't seen him fight the competition Izzy has. So even though this may be a great stylistic matchup between Izzy and Pereira, my thing is like, does Pereira really belong in this spot? Or is this more of a stylistic, let's sell the tickets, get Pereira to the top fight? You know what I mean? This is is a... You know, a storyline. This is a, right. it was obvious that they expedited uh, Pereira's uh, path to the title, right? Just, but funnily enough, like if you even look back at Izzy's career, right, he made his UFC debut back in February 2018. He got his interim title shot against Kelvin Gaslam in April 2019. We're talking about what is that, fast. 14 months? It's fast. 14 months. Mm-hmm. So he got it pretty quickly too, but he went through some, some big names and he, you know, went through the fire a little bit, but with Pereira, of course, they're going to expedite him when uh, is he's already beaten Robert Whitaker twice, beaten Marvin Vittori twice, beaten Jared Cannonier, beaten Paulo Costa. Like he's cleared out the top of that division. There's nobody else really at middleweight that we're like, this guy could be the guy, Bo Nickel, maybe. I was going to say, Bo Nickel. Of course you're going to say it. Uh, but he's obviously, you know, on a little bit of the, the back burner right now because of the injury that he's dealing with, um, Hamzat Shmaev, we don't know if he's going to do 185 or 170, right. but outside of that, there's nobody else. So yeah. putting Alex Pereira up against Sean Strickland, I was fine with that. There was obviously the threat that Strickland could beat him, and then we would get a fresh contender in Strickland, but the storyline was always there. You know, yes. Alex Pereira beating him twice already in a different realm. Let's see if he can do it again. Um, I don't even think I told you exactly how I'm playing this. I, I'm not even playing this fight to begin with, but in terms of a predicting it, I'm going to go Izzy. I, I do think that Izzy likely wins this matchup. The big power of there uh, is there for Alex Pereira, but I, you know, that's why I'm kind of hesitant in terms of actually betting this fight because I think the odds are actually accurate, right? They were accurate around minus 170, minus 180. That's how I think the odds should be. So personally, 
I didn't see an edge in terms of betting it. I'm okay with Izzy winning and not cashing a bet on it. Maybe I'll have it in like a degenerate parlay or something like that. Sure, sure. of course. But in terms of like actual real money, uh, you know, serious money, betting uh, a straight money line, I'm just going to sit back and watch this one. Izzy should style on him. Izzy should win this down the stretch. Round four or five decision, maybe a little bit of a poke on that. But yeah, Izzy should take this one. And did you see that uh, Eugene Bergman interview with Ariel? I did not. They did a whole CKB thing yesterday, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to go over the whole interview, but one thing that was very interesting is Eugene said a lot of the guys in the gym got caught up in the fame, you know, Dan Hooker, uh, even Carlos getting in the UFC, Izzy, obviously they're getting caught up in the ego, the, the, Mm. the fame of it all. So he said, they started kicking butts. They started calling people out and they started like really cracking down on that attitude and getting people motivated. He said, everyone responded, but the last person to respond was Izzy. It took him the longest. It took him like months to respond to this. But when he did, apparently Eugene was like, Izzy is a whole new animal now. So we'll see how much of that is just coach fodder, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that, that's one thing that we have to be very careful about in this mixed martial arts world. Like, of course, the basketball player can go out there. and He's like, I'm going to try to hit as many threes as I can. But when mixed martial arts, like, you can't be showing your hand or anything like that, right? Like you got to be very uh, quiet about it and you have to boast your fighters as well to give them that confidence in front of the media and all that stuff. So I I try not to take too much from interviews. I try to take more informational things like where have they been doing their camp? uh, You know, you know, if they've changed anything in the camp, that's kind of more what I look for rather than, I motivated him more than he'll ever be motivated in his life. Right. Let's see how he performs. <laughs> see, I like my interviews because I do the interviews, but I completely get what you're <laughs> saying. Um, I, I do want to move on here to my parlay. Yep. The last bit I want to talk about uh, and what made me transition here is because you brought up camps. And what I think is interesting, a piece of my parlay, Dominic Reyes, has been training with Glover Teixeira. Yes, sir. Right? So my parlay here is Dominic Reyes at minus 225 paired with Zhang Weili, minus 400. That comes out to be minus 125 right now. I really like both of these fighters in their matchups. I'll let you talk about it for the majority, but Reyes, you know, flashback two years ago, you put him up against Ryan Spann. He's a minus 800 favorite. You know what I mean? I just want to not think that Reyes is that washed. I think he's had a tough couple years after John Jones. I still think he's Dominic Reyes, and I think we're going to see him outclass Ryan Spann. Zhang Wei Li. Obviously, she's going up against the champ. Carla Sparza is great. But my thing is, can Carla get her game plan going here? Can she wrestle Zhang Wei Li? Or is Zhang Wei Li just too good, too strong, and too powerful for that to work? So I love the parlay, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Well, start off with the the Dominic Reyes side. And I agree with you. You know, if this was two years ago and they matched this fight up, minus 800, no doubt. I absolutely agree with that. My, my concern more so is has the has the the knockouts and has the durability taken a hit sure. right that 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 loss to yuri prohaska was devastating yeah. uh getting knocked out by jan blahovich that was devastating i don't i don't like using the word washed you know i know a lot of people like to throw that around a lot like easier but to me that means like this guy's skill set is completely gone uh he's slowed down blah 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 but in regards to dominic reyes it's more so has his durability left him not so much that he's washed, because I'm sure he can still go out there. And if he had the chin of Roy Nelson in his prime, he would still be able to beat on dudes with his combination striking, his yeah. length, his reach, all that stuff. Like, he would look amazing. I have no doubt about that. It's more so, can he take the big shots from Ryan Spett? 
Ryan Span, say what you want about him. You know, uh, he had a big run coming into the UFC mm-hmm. after he got starched by Carl Robertson on the contender series way back in the day. Uh, but in his last five fights, he's exchanged wins and losses. It's when he takes steps up in competition that he starts to falter. And this is a step up in competition against Dominic Reyes. But my concern lays with how will Dominic Reyes react to getting hit? That's that's the main thing. He's been out of the cage for almost a year and a half now since he got knocked out by Yuri Prohaska. Um, I think skill set wise, I think he can do good enough defensively to stay away from the big shots of Ryan Span. But like like that shot that Cody Brundage landed on Trishan Gore, I did not expect that to to knock him out or drop out. him the way that I did. What if that? What if he can? What if uh, Span can do the same thing here to Dominic Reyes? It's absolutely possible. Now, if you give me Dominic Reyes around minus one fifty, I'd feel a little bit more inclined to take a shot. Personally, at minus two twenty five, I. I personally don't see the upside in it, but it might look hindsight minus 500 once it's all said and done. I see the angle. He is that much better than him. I don't know why I'm being so, uh, you know, tough on myself in terms of not getting to the window with Dominic Reyes, considering how much of a skill set advantage he should have. But I want to see him get his feet wet. I want to see him take a couple shots before I trust him with my money again and then go from there. But he should win this fight. And uh, the the co-main event, Similar thoughts in the fact that, like, Zhang should win this fight. She is, you know, I think her grappling has improved enough that she should be able to stay live in this fight in terms of keeping it upright for the first 10 minutes. But after that, it starts to get a little bit sketchy. Like, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, uh, Rose Namajunas took her down in the fifth round and laid on top of her for yeah. four minutes. And Zhang could do nothing. Carlos Farza, in my opinion, much better grappler than Rose Namajunas, especially wrestling, right? Oh, yeah. But I think that her wrestling improvements that she's made with Henry Suhudo and the whole team over there, um, it will keep her in this fight for the first two rounds. And I think that's all she'll need to find that knockout blow against Carla Esparza. Carla's striking is not there at all, right? She showed glimpses of it against uh, Michelle Watterson, but she can do it against women like that. Not against Alexa Grasso, not against Marina Rodriguez, not against Yan Jianan. She's shooting for her life and she's getting those takedowns. But I think she's going to face a little bit more of a, uh, maybe we can call it the great sprawl of China uh, here uh, with Wiley Zhang, that she can actually stuff a couple of those takedowns, stay in the upright position long enough to eventually get that knockout blow. But I'm telling you right now, Jake, if this fight creeps into the third round, I'm going to live bet Carlos Esparza. I don't care what the number is, but I think at that point that the majority of the knockout power from Zhang will likely have subsided. And from there, we'll, we could see Carla get in on the hips, land some takedowns and go from there. So, Pick his toe, Zhang. I will likely make a Zhang inside the distance an official bet once we get that more widely available. But uh, yeah, I have a little bit of reservations in terms of throwing her into every single parlay because Carla, you know, last thing I'll say about it, six and two as an underdog in the UFC and I've cashed three of those tickets. She is a live underdog at all times. I've cashed the Esparza underdog two or three times. Did not know she was six and two. That's crazy, man. I got against Marina... Grasso and Yan Jonan, all who I'm fans of, right? I just paid chalk on Marina Rodriguez this past weekend and lost. Yeah, that's how much I think of Marina. But I bet Carla there because I knew if she got this to the ground, it's going to be tough. Um, could be the same thing here for Zhang. So tread lightly is all I want to say. I will tread lightly. I like <laughs> I said, I appreciate the insight, man, because that's a that's a great point you bring up. And like I said, you know, Esparza is a great grappler, and for me, and I think kind of what you're saying too is. Can Esparza implement her game plan before Zhang knocks her out? We'll find out. I like the Zhang inside the distance bet too. 
I'll quickly say this in regards to uh, Carla. When, when she's this big of an underdog, it hasn't really worked out, right? I think those are the two right. losses. Like it was Tatiana Suarez and Claudia Gadelia. Beat her as a big, big favorite. So same thing could come to fruition here. Minus 400 in uh, women's MMA, though. Not even just women's MMA. Minus 400 in MMA. That's just that's yeah. scary, man. Fists can yeah. fly and hit the chin. Everybody Bingo. should be at minus 110. But uh <laughs> Lock, we got like eight minutes here before Zoom kicks me off for not paying for the full version. So I just want to ask you, is there a bet you'd like to quickly break down that we did not talk about so far? I feel like this one is going to be largely largely contested this week, and I'm ready to stand firm and plant my flag. Um, Julio Arce, plus 175, you know, a fellow Northeasterner, uh, I think he's the better striker here compared to Montel Jackson. I think that he wow. could uh, touch him up, output, movement. Um, I think he has a 94% takedown defense rate. Now, don't get me wrong, Montel Jackson likely the best wrestler that he's fought to this point. But I think that Montel, you know, big threat, big power in his hands. He has six knockdowns in his last two fights alone. Uh, but that's against the JP Bays and the Jesse Straders of the world, right? right. He, he took a step up against Brett Johns. I cast on Brett Johns as a plus 180 underdog that night. Now, the two losses that Jackson does have in the UFC have come against grapple-heavy guys, Ricky Simone mm-hmm. and Brett Johns. This is going to be a striking-heavy approach from Julio Warse, but I think if he can keep it standing, he will likely be the better fighter uh, in terms of getting his combinations off, uh, getting that volume out there, and touching up on Tal Jackson on route to a decision victory. So I haven't pulled the trigger yet because I thought the line was going to get wider, but I'm seeing a little bit of action on Julio Arce now, so I might have to jump on it. But plus 175 is the number that I'm getting. I'll likely pull the trigger on it very shortly, but curious to hear your thoughts on said underdog. So as I recall, Jackson struggled, I mean, until he got the dub. He struggled against JP, right? He was in danger somewhere. No, I just can't remember. I don't. I don't recall him being in danger. As more so, he's beaten his ass. But like, he dropped him four times. He dropped him four times, but followed him to the ground every single time. And then JP Bays just wrapped him up, and he couldn't do anything. That's the reason it went to a decision. But uh, for the most part, I remember Montel that's, just whooping his ass. That's yeah. what it was. I don't have it in front of me. I was thinking Montel yeah. finished him, but I was I was surprised by the fact that JP lasted the whole time. That's what I was oh, yeah. surprised about. It was a lot of stalling that that was going on from the JP side. Um, honestly, dude, I kind of like that because you're a hundred percent right about the striking there. Arce yeah. has the better striking striking. It's just kind of how I feel about Esparza. Can Jackson get it to the ground? And I think yeah. as we've seen Jackson's level of competition go up, his success has almost gone down in that regard a little bit. Am I wrong? Yeah, when he does fight the better guys, he's not coming out on top. Like he's beating Felipe Kolaris, Andre Sukumtat, JP Bays, Jesse Strader. Um, you know, he choked out Brian Keller, solid win for him there. But like we didn't really get to see that fight go on much longer. How would that have looked? Should it have gone longer? That's that's the question that I have. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I like Arce here. I think that if he can keep it up right, he'll likely get the numbers up here. Uh, he faced a big striker last time against Daniel Santos, came out on top, almost tripled him up on strikes there. Uh, obviously, stiffer test here in Montel Jackson, but I see some flaws in Jackson's striking game that I think that Arce can take advantage of, and hopefully he can, and help me cash his plus 175 ticket. Love it, man. And just real quick, I do want to highlight a bet that you were talking about on your show the other day just because I was with him yesterday hanging out and interviewing him. Andre Petrosky under 2.5. Mm. I don't have that line in front of me. I don't know if you do, but I love mm. the sound of that bet, man. Love it. Because he Andre says specifically said, there's no way this fight's fit in the third round. And I know you don't uh, take a lot from the interviews, but 
No, I, I like I like Andre here, man. I like him a lot. <laughs> uh, under two and a half, minus one seventy five. So still not that bad, right? I, 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 the thing is, like being in the position that I am and putting out the content and official bets that I do, I don't like, I don't like tipping bets where it's not widely available yet. So that's yes. why I'm waiting on the under. So if it's still around, you know, minus one seventy, minus one eighty, I'll likely take a shot at that point when more books have it available. Um, but yeah, I, I see violence there too. I see Vonster too, and hopefully uh, he's not blowing smoke up your ass with that interview. <laughs> I freaking hope not, man. Uh, but yeah, definitely fire, especially from two guys who are not known to have the best gas tanks. Um, but man, Preet, I'm going to end this show, man. I really appreciate you coming on. I will link all your stuff below. But if you don't know Lock of the Night, people, go follow him. Like, super consistent content has won me a lot of money of, of recent because I haven't been following you super long, but always entertaining, always something to watch. Great insight. So man, Preet, thank you so much for coming on, dude. And thank you so much for wearing your Sixers hat. Go Philly, bro. Let's go. I appreciate all the love. And hey, race to 6,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel. Hit it up. I am like three people away. It's been sitting there for like two weeks at 59.97. Get me over 6K. I would greatly appreciate that. Love everybody for checking out. And Jake, always a pleasure to come on next time. Let's do it again. I can't wait. Of course, brother. I'm going to unsubscribe and resubscribe to get you <laughs> that number. I'm like two away from 100. So come on, people. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get him up to 100. Jeez, get me something, please. bro. All right, Let's man. Pre, but uh, UFC 281, November 12th, Madison Square Garden. Enjoy, folks. Thank you very much. And, man, Preet, have a great day, bro. Likewise.